Hey, welcome again. My name is Ross. Uh, thank you, Glenna. Thank you, Andrew and worship team. So glad to have you with us again. Am I in the right spot, uh, Facebook Live folks? Uh, and thank you for those of you, those of you that are joining us online. Uh, welcome again. If you're our guest this morning or if you're our guest online, if you go to our CC app, there's a place for you to just uh, let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like some information, there's a place there as well, but uh, you can download our CC app. Uh, also, just uh, by way of reminders, our ladies' Bible study has started back, uh, and our men are meeting as well. So um, just want to encourage you, if you need a place of fellowship and a place to study God's Word, we would love to connect you. So uh, you can always reach us at info at centennialchurch.com. Those of you that are here with us live can see that info on the screens, but those of you watching on Facebook Live, uh, if you need the details on that, just uh, go to our website or you can always uh, email us at info at centennialchurch.com. Also want to remind you, uh, we are back gathered and we also just want to remind you that uh, part of our worship is to give, to give of what God has graciously given to us. So whether you're at home watching online or whether you're here, we just want to encourage you, uh, perhaps you do that in the baskets in the back, or perhaps you prefer to do that online. Uh, both are wonderful, and uh, just encourage you to consider that and make that part uh, of your worship here as we attempt to uh, build God's kingdom and continue to minister through Centennial Church and uh, with our partners uh, around the world. So uh, thank you for that. Today we are returning to our study in Colossians, so I hope you have a Bible. Uh, go ahead and open it to chapter 3 of Colossians, and I'm going to read through the passage, and then I am going to invite uh, a few of you up here to help me uh, do a little review in just a minute. So now that I've made you adequately nervous... Um, Open up to Colossians chapter 3, and I will read for us from uh, verse 1 all the way to verse 11, okay? And here's what I'd like to encourage us to do, just in honor and respect to God's Word. I'm going to ask you, those of you that are gathered here with us, to stand, uh, and I will read this uh, for us, and you can follow along, but go ahead and stand, uh, if you will. So, beginning of verse 1, Paul says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, 
slave free, but Christ is all and in all. You pray with me? Father, we just ask as we look into your word that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that you would uh, convict us where we need conviction, you would encourage us where we need encouragement, Lord, and that we would be changed, uh, not just by hearing your word, but by applying it, by doing it. And Lord, we um, pray that you would, get gl- you would get glory, you would get honor uh, through our lives and through our time together this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Okay, it has been a couple weeks, three weeks to be exact, since we have looked at Colossians, and I thought it might be fun uh, to do a little review, okay? So I'm going to actually call some of you up here to help me do a little review, and I'm going to grab my props over here, so hang with me. So uh, I can tell by looking at you all who wants to volunteer, uh, The Holy Spirit didn't tell me, but I just have a pretty good idea. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pick on some people out here to help us review Colossians 1, 2, and preview Colossians 3, okay? So uh, keep your heads up. Some of you are looking down. Uh, Adam and Leah, come on up here and just join me right up front. The camera wants to see you. Just stand right in front of me, okay? Thank you for volunteering. I love that spirit. Uh, Let me also pick on uh, the parks. Jonathan, why don't you bring one of your kiddos up here, if you don't mind. And Adam, you take that. And Lee, you take this. And you guys are going to uh, be able to consult. Oh, they're fixing their hair as they come up. Scoot scoot into the center here. You are live on camera. You, Jonathan, get to hold that. Paxton, you get to hold that. And let's see, uh, David, David Johnson, I see that hand. Come on up here. Actually, Leah, let me trade you, okay? You take this one, whichever one you like. And David, you take this one. Now, you guys have cards that all say, don't, don't show everyone yet, keep it, keep it to yourself. You guys all have cards that say something on them, okay? Your job as a team is to put these cards in order so that they make an equation that shows us, that reminds us what Colossians chapter one is all about, okay? So in five seconds, I'm gonna ask you guys to circle up right in front of me and you're gonna talk amongst yourselves and figure out what this equation is. Now I'm holding Colossians one, okay? Now I know those of you that were here for that sermon remember perfectly what we talked about, okay? Just, oh, so six weeks ago or something. All right, so I know you're ready for this, and uh, this will help us review and remember what we learned from Colossians chapter one. So circle up and see if you can't uh, figure out what Colossians chapter one is all about, okay? And if you guys could just do the Jeopardy music in the background, that would be great. Who has the, the whistle? We have a leader up here, I can tell you that. Thankfully. He might. Let's try it and see if we got it right. Okay, left to right. Do they need to scoot in here, camera guys? Yes, Adam, you. Okay, so hold yours up and see what we have here. 
What does it say? Jesus plus nothing equals, scoot on in here, Paxton, everything, that's right. Stay right here, somebody take, scoot into the center. Somebody take a picture of this brilliant, this brilliant team, okay, so everybody got that picture? You're, that is excellent. Okay, so for this next one, you guys give me your cards. Stay up here, except for Adam. Adam, I think you look a little bit tired, so I'm gonna let you sit down, okay? You go on back to your seat, but Leah, you stay up here, okay? What is chapter one of Colossians? How can we uh, summarize that? Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We'll review that here in just a second, okay? Uh, let's see, you take that one, David. And Paxton, you take this one. Leah, you take this one. Now, you guys confer again and figure out what Colossians chapter two is kind of about. Circle, circle up uh, and, and talk amongst yourselves. Colossians chapter 2. All right, it's been several weeks since we talked about this. You might want to be flipping back to chapter 2 to see if you can figure out what an equation might be to summarize this passage, okay? Are you guys ready? Turn them over, Leah. There we go. What do we got? Paxton, scoot in. Strict does not equal spiritual. That's right. That's excellent. In Colossians chapter 2, we talked about all these kind of uh, rules that these false teachers in Colossae were trying to teach. That, hey, man, you, you got to skip this meal. You can't eat this. You got to do this. And if you uh, just kind of treat your body poorly, you'll be somehow more spiritual. And Paul writes to them and says, hey, that's not it. Strict or being conservative or being strict does not equal spiritual, okay? So that was Colossians chapter two. Okay, I'll take those now, guys. And now we get a preview, a preview of chapter three, okay? So one more time, and then you can return to your seat. So let's give you that one. Jonathan, here you go. Paxton and Leah, confer again. Circle up, talk, what do you think? we're going to learn in Colossians chapter 3. Are you guys writing this down? Are you getting these summaries uh, in your notes here? Man, we got... Okay, apathy does not equal grace. Colossians chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to just... Sorry to do this. I'm going to change you guys just for a second, okay? Because I think it makes more sense this way, all right? So now let's try it again. Grace does not equal apathy, all right? So what's the point of Colossians chapter 3 and, and, and really... Colossians overall, God has given us this grace. That doesn't mean we have to be strict and skip every meal and always fast, or we have to, you know, do really difficult, you know, painful things. But it also does not mean, God's grace does not mean that we're just, ah, eh, oh well, God saved me, so I guess now I can just do whatever I want and live however I want. Grace does not equal apathy. Got it? Write those down. All right. Thank you, guys. Give it up for our helpers here.
Baxton, you are the real winner. Caught you good for sure. You know, uh, as you, uh, as you begin a, a series as a preacher, you sometimes, you, you sometimes think, hey, we're going to do this book, and I kind of know like the basic idea, or here's kind of the major theme of the book or whatever. And I found that often uh, that once I kind of get into the book and begin preaching it week after week, I realize, oh my goodness. I mean, I might have been right about some things, but God gave us this book. God gave us this passage even for such a time as this. And you just see all this new stuff or you see it differently because you've been journeying throughout that book or because of the just season of life that God has you in. And that's the way I felt this week as I looked at these 11 verses. Amazing timeliness and amazing relevance to our lives. Okay, and if you don't think uh, the Bible or people that you know you think the Bible is irrelevant, it doesn't really have any much practical help for us today, okay, try Colossians chapter three as we're gonna journey through it quickly here and say, is this not modern? Is this not contemporary to what we need to hear? Okay, so uh, with our limited time, here's, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to kind of give you the overall kind of the big structure of the passage of these 11 verses, the big structure, and then we're going to talk about the all-encompassing nature. And then thirdly, we're going to make some applications, okay, personally as, as well as corporately, okay? So structure, nature, and then application, okay? So first of all, the basic structure of these uh, 11 verses. When you study the Bible, what you kind of want to do is if you think about a video camera uh, kind of zooming in and zooming out, you know what I mean? What you want to do when you study a book of the Bible, and Colossians is only four chapters, you, you want to kind of do both of those things. You want to zoom in out. You want to zoom in, excuse me, and look at parts and pieces, but you also want to do a faithful job of zooming back out and kind of giving the landscape or the overview effect, right? So that's why we kind of did this little review where we see that the main thing that Paul is telling us, especially in chapter one, is that Jesus is it, guys. Colossians, Friscoans, Centennial Church folks, brothers and sisters, Jesus is what we need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We don't have to add to Jesus. We certainly shouldn't take away from Jesus. Jesus is what we need. So as we look at these 11 verses, I kind of want us to zoom out to some foundational key verses that kind of lead us to how we got to chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Okay, so first of all, look back. Uh, in the first chapter, there was this beautiful prayer that Paul prays, beginning uh, in verse 9, okay, and just, or not beginning in verse 9, but uh, on into verse 10 as well. He says, uh, from the day we heard, this is chapter 1, verse 9, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? You don't know what to pray for someone, or you don't know what to pray for yourself? Try Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Awesome. But he goes on, verse 10, um, that you, you may have knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, but look at verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
Why should you know God's will? Why does he want us to have spiritual understanding? Not so we'll just have some spiritual experience or some ecstatic, uh, some type of, you know, mystical experience, but so that we'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so guess what he's going to talk about beginning in chapter three, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And Paul, this is kind of a typical approach for Paul. He takes the beginning of his letters and he talks about, hey, here's the truth. And then the second part being, now here's what you do with that truth. Here's how that truth should work itself out in your life, okay? So he's prayed for us in chapter one. I want you to know God. I want you to know his will so that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And why should you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Look at verse 18 of chapter one. Remember this beautiful uh, phrase here? He, he talks about who Christ is in chapter one. And he says, he's the head of the body, the church. He is the, fir- he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And then look at the, the last phrase of verse 18. Why? That in everything, he might be preeminent. Remember what the word preeminent means? First place. You should walk in a manner worthy of the Lord because he's preeminent. Jesus has come and saved us from our sins. He's created the world, but he's also saved us from the brokenness of a world and the brokenness of our own hearts. So it's only right that we walk in a manner worthy of him in a way that honors his preeminence. You follow it? And then, look, we get to chapter 2, verse 6. And what do we see again? He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... What? So walk in him. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. He said, this is building up to walking with the Lord so that you will walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. So that, that's kind of been the seed that Paul has dropped along the way to bring us to chapter three, where he kind of turns the corner to begin getting us to think not just about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, but how we walk or how we live in light of that, okay? That's pretty basic. So those are kind of foundational, but here's kind of the structure that we see uh, in these 11 verses, five, five, and five. Do you think I can preach 15 points today? in 20, 15 minutes here? No, I can't. So we're gonna stay really high, all right? But here's what you have. Five imperatives in these 11 verses. And then five things to put to death and then five things to put away. Isn't that beautiful the way Paul does that? First of all, let's look at the imperatives, okay? Five imperatives or commands in just these 11 verses. Are you ready for them? Did you see them there? The first thing he says is seek the things that are above. That's in verse one. Seek the things that are above. Number two, set your mind on things above. Kind of very similar, right? And then the third one is put to death the earthly things in you. We see that one in verse five. And then in verse eight, uh, it says, put them all away, the old self. And then I see that my slide has bled off the screen. So that's not helpful. Uh, There it is. Beautiful. (laughs) Caught you good. Way to go, Kyle. So the fifth thing there is verse nine, do not lie. Okay, so five imperatives that he gives us. Are these not relevant? Where's your mind? Where does your mind drift 
What is your mind occupied in the, with in this season, in these days? And what is Paul saying? Set your mind, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Does this sound like something that Jesus said in the gospel of Matthew chapter six, verse 33? Anybody know that one off the top of your head? Jesus said what? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's very similar language that Paul used here. He, he says, in this time of difficulty, in this, in this era where there's all this false teaching in Colossae and even ar- around us today, seek Christ. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Set your mind on things above. And then he's gonna get to these things that we need to put to death. Okay, so the title for today's sermon is Put Off. Next week, the the sermon title is going to be, guess what? Put on. Put off, put on. So in these verses, 11 verses, he's primarily going to say, hey, quit doing this stuff. Put this stuff off. And then next week is going to say, but put these things on. Okay, and we'll see those things next week. So that's kind of the five basic imperatives. And then we see from these from these uh, things that we're supposed to put off or to put away, we see the all-encompassing nature of discipleship or following Jesus, okay? What, am I, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, when, folks, when we follow Jesus, we're not just adding something to our schedule on Sunday morning at 1030. We're not just getting uh, fire insurance from hell and then going on about our life, the, the gospel changes us and Jesus calls us to something that's all-encompassing, holistic, that involves not just what we do on Sunday morning, but what we do on Monday morning. It involves not just our thinking, but our spending. Not just what's in our hearts, but what comes out of our mouths, as we'll see. This, these verses are so inclusive of a non-compartmentalized, holistic life of following Jesus. Why? Because he's preeminent. Because he should have first place in all things, right? So let me just blitz through some of this stuff here, okay? Look uh, with me at how all-encompassing this, this is. We see in these verses both the indicatives of what Jesus has done for us as well as the imperatives that we're supposed to live out because of the indicatives. Are you following me with that grammar? Indicatives, this is what Jesus has done. Imperatives, now do this. It shows us where our spiritual focus is it, is supposed to be. We've already talked about that, verses one through four, but it also talks about not just our spiritual focus, but our sexual purity. Do you see that in verse five? Sexual immorality, impurity, but not just that. It talks about what's in our hearts, right? Because in verse eight, it talks about, hey, get rid of the the anger and the malice. Excuse me. Now look at verse eight and tell me that those Adjectives that that description is not something that we need to hear today in 2020. Anger, malice, let me turn there. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. What's Paul saying? He's saying it, it matters what you think about, it matters what you seek, but it also matters what's in your heart, it matters what comes out of your mouth. 
Jesus is to have first place in all things. So it talks about our spiritual focus, our sexual purity, our hearts, our words, and look, verse 11, our relationships. We'll come to that especially here in just a few minutes. He talks about here there's no Jew or Greek. Imagine how I'm going to apply that in just a second. That we're unified around whom? Jesus. Especially in the church. So this, this is all inclusive. Here's some other ways to say it. Not only our hearts, our words, our relationships, but you could think about this description of the spiritual life or following Jesus in this way. It's upward, inward, and outward. You see that? Upward, what we're seeking, inward, what's in our hearts, and outward, how we relate to one another, how we slander or do not slander, I should say, right? Or how we relate to those who are different from us, those from a different culture that might have different skin color than us. Christian discipleship is all of those things, upward, inward, outward. It's also present and future. Seek now the things above, right now, but it's also future because look at verse four, who is going to come back for us? Jesus, our life. So discipleship is right in the here and now, but it's also in light of the fact that Jesus is coming. We have a hope and a future. It's upward, inward, outward, present, and future. It's looking to heaven, but it's also living in the world. It's personal as well as social. It's kind of repetition of what I already said, because look, There's not just the heart. There's not just the mouth. This walking with Jesus is not just me in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you hear me say that? Following Jesus is not just me in my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, we always say it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And it is. But that's not all it is. Because a personal relationship with Jesus Christ ought to impact our relationship with everyone else. And that is exactly his point. Let me highlight it in verse 11. Look at the power of verse 11. He says, here then, in the church, here amongst us as as Christ followers, look at how he describes this. Here there is not Greek and Jew. Those are kind of the major classifications of race in that day, right? You're either Jew or Greek. But what's Paul saying? Here is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, another way of saying Jew or Greek, barbarian, does that sound like nice people? Barbarian? Is that the way you compliment your mom and say, mom, you're you're a barbarian? Next week for Father's Day, dad, you're, you're the best barbarian there is. No, these, he's, he's saying the, the, in the household of Jesus, we all get along, not because we're hung up on, on being Greek or Jewish or civilized or a barbarian, but we get along together. We are a preview of the kingdom that is to come because we're all about Jesus. We're united by Jesus who is all and is in all, right? You follow the logic there? circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian. Anybody know what a Scythian is? I don't. Had to look it up. And you know what I found? Much like barbarian there, Scythians, these were the disgusting people of the day, the people that the Jews and, and civilized people look their nose down. If you, it's, it's like being a Samaritan to the Jews in Israel. You don't want to go through some Samaria. Those are the half-breeds. That's that, that's that uncivilized culture. Those are the people that don't have the truth. They don't, let's stay away from them. And where does Jesus go? Right through the middle of Samaria and talks to a 
a female Samaritan woman with a pretty bad reputation. And Jesus says, what I'm doing in this world, in the church, in the kingdom that I'm building, not the worldly kingdom, but the kingdom that I'm building is I'm putting everyone together under me. But Christ is all and in all. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is all must remind us of chapter 1, verse 18. He's the head over all that in him he might be preeminent, right? Christ is all. And guess what? If Christ is all, then our race or our gender or our backgrounds is not all. You following me? We live in a world where people, where it is so emphatic that our identity is based on what? Based upon our gender, our sexuality, or our skin color. How do people identify today? What's their identity? I mean, that identity is like the huge word of this decade. What's your sexuality? What's your gender? What's your race? And look at what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, yeah, some of us are Greek. Some of us are Jew. But you know what matters? What we're unified around is Christ. Because Christ is all. Not our gender. And not our race. Does that mean that gender and race are not important? No. It's important. God created you, and, and, and Acts chapter 17 says he plants us right where he, he chose the place that we were supposed to live and the parents that we were going to be born to. That's his sovereign choice. But lest we think that that's all that makes us up, read Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Because who I am is not all about my color all about my background, but Christ is all. And when Christ is in us all, guess what? We come together as brothers and sisters, following the same dark-skinned Jewish rabbi who bled for his enemies. That's radical. The church should be a place not of division, but of unity around Jesus. And who is Paul writing this to? He's, he's, he's not writing it to Rome. He's not, he's not saying, hey, emperor, implement this political philosophy. He's writing it to the church, this church that he's heard about from a guy named Tychicus that we read about in chapter 1 and verse, and, and also chapter 4. He's writing it to this church, and he's saying, it's you guys that are supposed to show the unity to the world. Not some pack, not some political party, but people in love and following Jesus are supposed to exhibit this unity that the world doesn't know anything about. And not only that, not only is there the unity but we're also supposed to model this purity and this devotion as we see in the verses above, right? Let no 
sexual immorality even be named among you, he says in Ephesians. Why? Because you've been purchased by Jesus. You, you've been placed in a new kingdom. And now, you are, your identity, not only is your identity different, but the way you walk out your life is different. All because you have come to, into this new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, which changes everything. The way you think, the way you speak, what you do at work, what you do with others, the way you lead your family, who you marry, how you spend your money, all of it comes under the banner of the preeminence of Jesus. That's the big idea. That's the, that's the broad teaching here, is be people that seek the things above, not the worldly things. Be the people that seek the things above. Be the people that are pure in heart and, and even pure in mouth and what you speak, not slandering and angry and wrathful on social media, but people who are truth tellers, but also peacemakers. Truth tellers and peacemakers. And finally, model the unity of a new kingdom where all different types of people come together because Christ is all. So let me close with this by way of application. Where is the Holy Spirit poking at your heart this morning? Is it in your thought life? In what you're seeking? When your mind drifts, where does it take you? To things above or to things on earth? When your mind drifts, where does it take you? What are you seeking? Secondly, how is your purity? Look at verse 5 and verse 8 again maybe later today. What is the Lord tapping on your heart to say, this is not putting Jesus preeminent. You don't have Jesus in first place here, whether it's the, how you speak, whether it's in the, the way you conduct yourself at work, whether it's the way you utilize and invest your money. This, this is not the purity of Jesus. Bring that in alignment to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And secondly, where's God tapping on your heart in the midst of this chaos that is in our world today? What are you doing to bring unity? Not to Atlanta, not to New York, not to LA, not even maybe to downtown Dallas. What are you doing to bring unity on your street? the people you go to school with, with your neighbors, your coworkers. If Christ is all, then all these other ways and all these other allegiances minimize in relationship to Jesus who is preeminent over all. 
What are you seeking? How's your purity? How's your unity with those different than you? Let's pray. Father God, if ever the world needs a picture of you and a a preview of your kingdom, this is one of those moments. And we ask you, God, that in the days ahead, the weeks ahead, the months ahead, that you would make us people of purity, that you would make us people of harmony and unity in a world that is so divided, in a world of idols, in a world of immorality, that we would walk in a manner worthy of Jesus, not in our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that while we were far from you, you thought of us and you sought us. And Jesus, you came to us and bought us from bondage so that we could walk in freedom with you and be partakers of a new kingdom. Jesus, we love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to follow you more faithfully. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.